Hello, listeners. It's Jim, the Keys bartender. How are you today? It's a beautiful day here in the Keys. As per, I guess, usual. I don't want to say as always. Because, but then again, being alive is always beautiful, isn't it? So, and being able to experience it. I wanted to address something just... It's probably just me. It's not you. And it's not them. But me. And that's people arriving to work at the end of the day. I have a hard time sometimes really... Well, I guess when I'm tired and had enough of the place I'm at at the time... It's hard for me to mask my feelings. And when someone comes rolling in late, you know, 10 minutes before we close the kitchen and then we start closing the you know, rest of the place, I, I try to just like, hey, how are you? Um, are you here to eat? And if they say yes, I'll say, hey, listen, here's a menu. We're going to be closing the kitchen shortly, so... It would be great. It's, oh, I don't want, you know, sometimes they come and say, oh, I don't like being pressured. I say, I'm not pressuring you. I'm just telling you this is the time. So, well, that's the pressure. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. But, you know, well, we'll, we can, we can, we have a little bit of leeway right there. How how much time do you need to make a decision? But then there's people that just come in. They, oh, I don't realize you're closed. And they, we've been doing it for about two years. We've been doing this for about two years, two and a half years. And we have regulars that regularly roll in, regulars that regularly roll in about 10, 15 minutes before we close. And uh, one in particular, he's very regular coming in. He's a sweetheart, nice guy. Comes in. He All he just wants to do is hang out, eat some food, uh, chat very, you know, chats very little. But he, he knows everyone, and he likes to, I guess, he surf the internet or social media on his phone. And he, he, likes, he likes when it's not super crowded. I think that's the reason why he come, came, comes in that late, at during the week. And on the weekend, not, not a big problem, because we have... Large groups of people. I know. And when we have large groups of people here, I kind of like, ah, well, it's no big deal. We got a bunch of people in the restaurant. We're, we close when we close. Now, the kitchen we have to be particularly sensitive to because you don't want to work the back of the house much later because they have a long process of closing a lot of cleaning a lot of putting away and then you have to ask them to come in the next day because we're short of help Uh, but hopefully they'll alleviate that but regularly when people come in and they start seeing you closing up doing your closing procedures let's say right around the time the kitchen closes i start putting bottles up start wiping them down and they want to talk and i say okay well i'll talk to you while i'm doing it but it's hard for me to mask after a long day mask the Disappointment if you think you're going to get out. And people have this. I understand that some people say, hey, listen, I'm paying good money here. And I'll take care of you. 
and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, I mean, it's not necessarily about that. It's, it's You're thinking, well, I like to get home. I like to get home to my family. I like to get home to my house. I got things to do. I know, and that's not necessarily the thing to be doing, becoming coming to service. If you have a set time, you want to be somewhere, maybe you shouldn't be in that type of job. Maybe you need a different job that when it's 5 o'clock, it's 5 o'clock and you're done. So in the restaurant business, doesn't always work that way. If if no one comes in late, which is a bad thing, because that means there's probably not a lot of people coming in earlier. But we're right around the holidays. You're ready to close up, and it's Key Largo, and there's for something about the keys, you don't have large groups of people coming out late. Now, we get people to come down from Miami, and you see how they dress. They go out, and they're dressed like they're in Miami. What does someone like from Miami dress like? You know what I mean. The fitted shirts, the long sleeve shirts, maybe a silk shirt. I don't know what silk is. But you know what I mean. Uh, slacks. Women wear nice dresses and stuff like that. There are places down here that do do that, but it's not... The same. The attire isn't the same, and, and certainly the vibe isn't the same. It's not unusual to start going out late around 10 o'clock in Miami. The places are closed, in Key Largo at least, most of the places are closed by then. Primarily because we're a fishing culture. Everyone has to be up at 5, five in the morning. So you're not going to see people out till 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. There's some, obviously, not everyone is involved in fishing, but people tend to adhere to the schedule of people around them. So they drink a little earlier, and they finish up a little earlier. I take that term loosely when I say a little earlier. So I just have to find that happy median where... When people come in, I can hide my thing and go, oh, come on, listen, I like to go home. I, I don't say that, but I don't want to give that impression. And those people want to come in and say, oh, I'm just one little camaraderie. I just want to sit around and have a couple drinks. Some of them get a little fired up. You know, they're drinking, they're pounding. I don't encourage that because this is a bad way to get personally for you. But if you're just saying, you know, having a couple of drinks, hey, that's fine. They just want to unwind. I would suggest to come out a little earlier. Now, there are people out there who say, hey, you're serving the public. Treat them the same each time. Yeah, but you're a person too. And it's hard to divorce those feelings that you have and go, you know, hide disappointment. Hide, you know, you're not you're not trying to hide the the fact that you're not encouraging them to have another drink. You say, hey, listen, I'm going to close up the tab so we can do the the drawer so we can get out of here at the end of the night. We got some cleaning to do. If we didn't have a lot of cleaning to do, then you know, hey, stay till eleven. We'll get up. And then we, you know, because at the end of the night after a double, if you got to do some more physical labor, you don't want to hurt. You know, save that hard work to the very end of the night. You're ready to wind down. That's both sides. And there is a happy medium to that. And if I can't resolve that myself, then, you know, certainly my employer can resolve that by 
saying, hey, listen, if you don't like it, we won't schedule you at night. You won't make the money. And, uh, you know, with the employers saying, hey, listen, I think I do a really good job when it's when it's busy, but just at the end of the night, I'm not a big fan of late nights, late, late nights. So there is a balancing act to this industry, especially here. And you know what? I have, I am very lucky to live in a place like that. A lot of guys are done at two o'clock in the morning. I like to be out the, I like to be out the door by seven. I know what a horrible thing for a bartender to want or need to be out the door at seven in the morning to go and do other things. Like, yeah. I mean, actually, sometimes it's like quarter of seven if I go to one of my early morning meetings for AA. So everyone has different drives and stuff like that. But I guess in the long run, I have to think what's better for everyone. And that's being nice. I guess just being nice and just saying, you know, if I'm tired and say, hey, listen, it's just the way it is today. Let's do it. Let's just get it. You know, just, just do it. The person wants to come in and talk, they can come in and talk. So it would be nice. It'd be nice if we were a lot more people, right? So you can make more. You know, you say, "Hey, listen, it's a significant amount of money to be made late, though it isn't. It's diminishing returns. The later you are, more diminishing returns. You're not making a. But you, there is a diminishing return when it comes to feelings. So you can just say, "Hey, listen, if I can just be positive towards the end of the night, that probably alleviate my ability to go home." unwind and go to sleep and do the thing I have to get early. So what if I have to stay the next 45 minutes? So that's me talking to myself. And I'm going to try to use you a lot more. So talking about, say, you, Jim, can handle this. So that's it for the bartending stuff. I've been talking a lot to people about what their jobs are, what they do, how long they do them for, um, how they come home, and and unwind. Now, down here in the Keys, like many places in the United States, a lot of people work remotely. Obviously, fishermen don't work remotely. I guess they are remote, if you think about they're using their remotely, at least by a couple hundred feet sometimes, because they're throwing out a fishing line, and the fish is called you know, a couple hundred feet away, and then you're reeling it in. So that that's somewhat remote, but I'm talking about remote using a computer or laptop, whatever, and I, I almost said dial in. How the hell do you dial in to work? Oh, you do dial in to a Zoom meeting, but uh, years ago it would be unthinkable, when even with the advent of the Internet, with dial-up connections before they came up with DSL lines, digital service lines, and then everything that followed afterwards. When they, access to the internet sped up and you had that ability to work. And some of them, some of the jobs are perfectly suited for that. Obviously, if you don't have, uh, there was a movie uh, made in, I think it was, Right around 2010, it's called Up in the Air, and it was George Clooney, Vera Farmiga, and Kendrick something, Anna Kendrick. And what George Clooney is, is he's a traveling, he works for a management company that their main management thing is to uh, 
lay off or fire people, fire, mainly fire people. They would go in to a company that's downsizing or whatever, and he would, he was trained and an expert at letting people go and handling the stress of it. Because big companies, you see, imagine a manager, you have a huge department and you're in charge of them. You got to let 20 people go. Now, some people don't have a problem like that. I've been, I worked at a company, uh, two companies that downsized and I moved on to other things. And I personally had not had to let anybody in an employment situation go. But I imagine that would be quite traumatic. I did, I mean, I did have relationships where they like go, but I was so bad at saying we should not see each other anymore. I would just act out and behave badly enough that they would just leave. And I guess, I don't know if it's subliminal or not, but the basis of this movie is George Clooney's traveling all around the country going to these companies, goes in, he gives people a person a packet, and he says, you're, and he has all these things to say. Not, you know, every person that succeeded at something has failed at other things or something like that. And he says all these trite expressions that are supposed to make it easier, and then he hands in a package. This package will help you explain the process of the downsizing and how much, you know, severance you're getting and how long your health care is going to last, blah, 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 and the training that's available to you. And he asked him, did you ever want to do something other than what you're doing now? You know, a lot of people, especially, and he was dealing with a lot of older employees. Older employees were always the first ones to let go back in the old days. Nowadays, you don't see that as much because, you know what, there's not enough fucking employees. So... In the basis of the movie, he's going to these places to do it. And then all of a sudden, Anna Kendrick comes in and says, she teaches him how to do it remotely. Remotely. In front of a computer screen. Where there's nobody in there and they just do it. And so the person it would reduce the travel time. Right? Reduce it. Would remove the travel time. And the cost. And the stress on the people. So they'd be working wherever they are. They'd be working that time line because they're doing it from all, all across the country so I guess they could do it sometimes it would start at 6 in the morning and sometimes it would be at the end of the day so I guess the only thing they have to deal with is like 6 to 8 and you'd have different shifts depending on when they'd want to do it generally they probably would do it I don't know in the middle of the day because when you're downsizing that's it you want to do it at the end of the day so he was reluctant. He said, you can't do this. And they started transitioning to do these things. And as it turned out, it didn't really work out in this. Thing. But that was just people getting the feel with remote, uh, working remotely. There was also a, a, I think it was Cinemax show or Showtime show with the girl from Friends. I forget her name. Her name, but her character's name was Phoebe on the show, and she did this online psychoanalysis. And this is back 
in 2010, 2009, when his show was on. And it was a new thing. And people were just thinking, holy crap. You can't do this stuff. You can't, you can't psychoanalyze. Well, you know what they're doing now? They're doing all that. They're doing uh, remote medical appointments and things like that. Obviously, they're going to be able to... There's diagnostic tools and things like that where... People say, yeah, you still got to come in for a blood test. Eventually, that might change too. Because they may do something, how much, depending on how much blood they need and things like that. They all, I know they already do it for uh, uh, prostate. Uh, not prostate. They, they do remote tests where people send in their samples. They do DNA testing. They do all sorts of things. And it's moving online, as many jobs are moving online. But there's still jobs that are labor-intensive. You've got to be there. You've got to be there as a carpenter. You have to be there as a plumber. You have to be there as a server, a bartender, a chef. There's no dialing. There's no dialing in. There's no getting online. You're not going to make a chicken parmesan remotely unless you're in catering and you're cooking at home or something like that but generally you're doing it at your place of work so while the whole world is thinking how can we make this easier uh, where there were travel intensive jobs first we can move online and meetings where you don't have to have people fly in and costing the company tens of thousands of dollars if it's a decent size, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars, depending on the size of it. When you have big shareholder meetings now, a lot of them are just online and the shareholders can come and they don't have to book a huge room for these big companies to bring people in to have a shareholder meeting. They can do it online. But there's for the foreseeable future, there's still going to be that in person, you know, reach out and touch the one moment. And, and people have had a hard time coming back from the, the jobs or companies have thought, you know, there's a, there's a big school of thought and it fluctuates is for some companies to say, hey, listen, we don't need a big office park. We don't have to do this. Most of our people contacting other people using technology online. So why don't we just do that? And the ways you could be logged in, you could see the work. You're seeing the work. Sometimes you're seeing the work. I worked in places at technology companies where we were in the office environment, but you were still f- fucking off. You weren't doing, you know, you, you could, you, you just, uh, you could surf the internet, you could do anything, you talk to your, your buddies here, you can do almost anything. And how much work do you actually get done during the course of the day? I would be wager to guess sometimes it was like two or three hours. And the rest of it is you're trying to fill the day with something that looks like it's busy. In a 40-hour work week, if you can get 40 hours of work out of someone, that is amazing nowadays. It's amazing. Um, there are uh, moves in some other countries where they're going to four-day work weeks and things like that. You know, just 32 hours. 
or 30 hours. And there's some common sense to that if you think if, if someone spends 30 to 50 percent of their time not doing their job, doing other things, <clears throat> that's 30 percent of 40 hours is 12. That's a shift and a half. I mean, that's a, a day and a half. Well, if you can get someone to work 80% or 90% of the time in four days, the same hours, that'd be great. Just think of it. I, I, would, I would think a lot of jobs can be done in 25 hours. If you think about it, if you just work them straight through. There's programming and all those things that people do. And we're, we're on the cusp of that, where people are starting to think, well, how much work do we need to get done? But it's funny, we're right on the cusp when artificial intelligence is coming on. And a lot of these jobs may go to these programs or these entities. Programming, copywriting. There's a lot of things that are online that you read that were generated by a program. And I wouldn't hesitate to even call it artificial intelligence. It's a, a machine learning program that knows the phrases and how to put it together. And you have a goal and you want to put in, I mean, there's, I, I don't, I actually, I don't necessarily know how they do it. I know they can do it. And we've used, if you use chat bots, obviously, if you're doing online chats, most of the times you're talking to a computer. And, uh, for one of, for the service I use, Anchor, they, you initially contact when you're going to a helpline, a chat bot, just like AT&T. I, th- I think you get a chat bot and they'll send you sometimes, if they're really advanced, they'll send you to another chat bot and they'll try to resolve it there. And then when they can't resolve it, they'll, sh- um, I want to say shunt, but they'll transfer you over to a human. And that's machines and humans working together. And sometimes when you're talking to some humans, you go, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you send me back to the chat bot? <laughs> I, I don't fucking think you understand what I'm saying. The chat bot was handling it pretty good, even though we weren't able to resolve it. But all these things are just change that are occurring. The online working the way people travel, the way how we interact with each other socially, how we date, how we meet, how we find our mate, how we look for doctors, cars, real estate, vacations, health care. I did say doctors, so I'm not going to say that. Shop for food. People are sending almost prepared mood. I mean, the big deal with the Internet was when all these additional task savers where you had like shared ride Uber and then you had food delivery of companies that normally don't have food Uber Eats or, or whatever company they have all these things come along and then someone says well why don't we just people don't necessarily want to order pre-cooked but they want to be able to prepare but they want to do it easy and, they, and, and now people say well we don't want the person to have to go shopping for the ingredients so we'll just send the ingredients and an explanation how to add, um, prepare it for a meal. We're going to tell you what you're going to eat that day. Or you get to pick out. I'm going to think it's going to be tilapia. Or it's going to be chicken. Or it's going to be pork. It's going to be a pasta. 
It's going to be this, that, steak. And they send it to you. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You live by yourself and things like that. You want to eat at home. You don't want to go out. You don't want to wait for something. It's going to take me 30 minutes. I don't have to go down the doorstep. I don't have to tip someone. They sent the meal to me. We're, we're coping with those things, those changes. But there's still people at the supermarket. There are. There are still people. But there's delivery. It's a, the funny thing is we're so heavy into things being brought to our house nowadays. Everyone used to think, and this was predominantly 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when you had FedEx or UPS, you think, well, one's going to be predominant. And you got the post office, postal service. Well, with more and more, th- and Amazon now getting into the delivery service, they got their own delivery vans and all that stuff. It's the idea we thought that was one delivery company would arise and take care of these things. Well, that's not, there's plenty of work for all these delivery companies. Plenty of work. And I don't think the idea of it getting, I don't think it's going to be getting any less. We have our water delivery delivered. A real weird thing, um, not necessarily a delivery company, but it's a service company. I heard uh, commercials for it. People, a fuel delivery, I'm not talking about propane. I'm not talking about, I mean, fueling your car, gas. People want the convenience of getting a car fueled away because I heard this on the radio, uh, local Miami stations, when, when uh, I was going up to Miami Cancer Center with the wife for radiation treatment a couple of weeks ago, oh, well, for three weeks. We hear these commercials about how is this a thing, especially with the price of gas. And obviously, they're going to have to charge a premium for it because they're going to be coming to wherever you are, whether you're at work or at home or anything like that. I can't imagine, you know, if someone's in a parking garage, how a fuel truck is allowed to arrive. I mean, what, what you, you have a gasoline truck and you got enclosed spaces in cities and stuff like that. It would sound like that would be the highest concentration of customers were in these big office buildings. But I can't imagine a parking garage allowing thousands of uh, a, a tanker truck with thousands of gallons of flammable liquid to drive into their parking garage. And we just say, oh my God, this is a recipe for disaster. But yeah, someone actually, some venture capitalist, I imagine, green-lighted this idea that, oh, people need the convenience of doing that. Well, I mean, how, how are you going to do it? Sometimes the, um, the gas access door on your uh, fuel access door on your car has to be open. They have to have a key. They have to do this. They have to do that. I mean, do you have to give an extra set of keys or, or an access code to the fuel delivery? And it's just coping. You say, I don't know how, coping. I don't know how they're going to do this, but they're going to do it. Someone saw it and they're going to do it. Years ago, I had the idea that people do apologies or breakups or hard things online for them as a surrogate. As a surrogate. I was thinking, I'm putting it in the newspaper. The idea may have been ahead of the time. Eventually, there are going to be someone on the internet and say, hey, listen, if you need to break up with your girlfriend... Quit your job. Tell your parents that you're gay. 
tell your parents that you're not gay. I mean, how, I don't know how that would be a problem, why you'd have to send a surrogate. Call me up, and we'll send one of our trained representatives. And they'll be your surrogate, and they'll be able to go through a step-by-step process informing that person. And in the end, they'll say, listen, if you'd like to talk to the person reasonably, wait you know, wait a 24 hours, and then you can have the discussion. I mean, there'd be a lot of liability issues to resolve with that. Wouldn't wouldn't there? Because you'd send someone off sometimes. You'd break it off with someone and just go completely nuts. Well, I'm going to wrap it up today. I think we're going to be, I'm pretty sure, and I'm lining up the interviews right now. I've figured out the process for my other podcast, Conk Chatter, but I'm still going to be doing the Keys Bartender. As you can see, the Keys Bartender has become a solo podcast. And I'm going to move group things to Conk Chatter, even though it's, and it's going to apply directly to the Keys, the news topics and uh, news topics and stories from the Keys, from Keys residents or people that have been to the Keys or like to be in the Keys. I've visited the Keys. So I guess that's a but. I'm calling it Kong Chatter, Chatter, because it was it was a great name, and Michelle, the, a friend of mine that was, uh, uh, told me about it, said she she was talking about it for seven years, but didn't do anything about it. She said I could do it, so that's what I'm doing. Um, my idea is just to uh, make it Kong, so it pertains to the Florida Keys. I didn't want to do Florida Keys Chatter. You know, it sounds like the Cadler. Like the small newspaper in a town. Well, in a town, in a small town. Well, I'd like to thank you for listening. I will uh, thank you. There are literally tens and tens of people listening. Oh, hundreds and hundreds. Uh, finally, uh, I was listening to a po- another podcast earlier, and they mentioned something about how most people are ordinary, and some are extraordinary. And some of those extraordinary people do extraordinary things. And he says, you know, a podcast could be ordinary or less than ordinary. And people find it hard sometimes to say, you know, for those to become extraordinary. And said, maybe it has to do with the person not being extraordinary and not having the skills to do that. I'm not going to dispute that because that's a feeling and a thought and a philosophy. You can't, you can't dispute a philosophy But my philosophy is, think that you're extraordinary. You should think that you're extraordinary. You are extraordinary in the universe as a consciousness, existing as a consciousness in the universe, being able to interact with it and experience the uh, universe. I know it sounds a little new agey and stuff like that, but what I'm saying, it's it's a miracle or a long shot that you'd be able to do this at all in this vast, vast space. If you believe that stuff, you should be believing that stuff if you're listening to this podcast. In this vast space that consciousness exists here and you're present for it and you're experiencing it. So just your existence is extraordinary right there. And number two, being able to express your existence and what you do 
is an extraordinary act. Whatever you do, attempt to do it well. I'd, at the beginning of the show, I talked about how maybe I fizzle out at the end of the night. Hopefully I don't fizzle out where it counts, you know. You know what I'm talking about. No, no, you don't. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go any further then. Uh, but whenever you're feeling ordinary, just it's best to just, and, and this is what I've experienced. I try to experience what I'm feeling right now. So it would be the temperature of the room, colors, things you're looking at, just breathing, your breath, the sound. I hear sound a couple clocks going. I hear my refrigerator going. I see birds outside. I'm feeling a moderate temperature because I'm in an air-conditioned environment. But, and that brings me into the present. And that presence is extraordinary. And I'm lucky because it could very well not be there. You wouldn't know, right? But just the knowing. Just be extraordinary. Don't worry about being... Obviously... I've done this. This is the 636th numbered episode of Keys Bartender. And I'm hoping that we make it to 666 or 700, 800, nine, you know, 900,000. I'm going to keep on doing it. I think that's extraordinary that I'm doing it. And if I can do it, you can do it. You can do it. There is extraordinary things in you. And just remember that. Don't don't let the world weigh you down. Because what you're doing right now is amazing stuff. And thank you very much and I'll be back. Bye.